I don't know if many of you have seen the animated film Klaus on Netflix. Anyone seen that film? Kind of proves my point. Hardly anyone's seen it. It is excellent. It is one of the best Christmas films I have ever seen. So it's about this town called Smearinsburg, and it's miserable, and the townspeople, it's just full of infighting and misery. And it's beautifully illustrated, the film, because it starts off in this kind of miserable grey, but slowly colour comes into the film. Hope comes into the film, and by the end, it is full of colour, joy, and hope, because Klaus has come with his gifts. Now, one reason I'm quite fond of this film, I watched it with my mum and my sister a couple of years ago, and about 15 minutes in, my mum was like, I can't be bothered with this, it's so grey and miserable. Me and my sister were like, mum, that's the point, they're clearly going to bring in colour to illustrate that it's miserable at the start and colourful at the end. She was missing the point that the misery at the start, you made that light so much more radiant at the end. At the same time, I can see where she's coming from. We want our festive films, or maybe Christmas in general, to be a kind of distraction from the dark, grey, sad things of life. I mean, winter is miserable enough already. The bitter cold, the dark nights drawing in, trying to stay warm or just enduring being cold because it's a cost of living crisis. Winter is hard. I mean, I really don't like winter. But then there's December. This kind of ray of light amidst the darkness. Christmas markets in George Square, fairy lights everywhere, Christmas trees, mulled wine, the sweet aroma of Michael Bibley serenading you everywhere you go. Pigs in blankets, mince pies. And it's also the one month of the year in which we kind of enjoy tradition. The sound of carols, watching that same Christmas film every Christmas Eve. I think mine's the same as Lewis. We love watching the Polar Express. It's really bizarre, but we love it. It really is, as one writer said, the most wonderful time of the year. This kind of month of anticipation and hype that looks forward to that one day when you get together with loved ones and feast together on Christmas food as you bask in the kind of cosy, warm vibes of Christmas Day. But I also know for some of you that Christmas is actually a time of year that is really hard. As you kind of gaze longingly at the people around you who are having a Christmas that you maybe never have had and wish that you could. And actually the kind of warmth and joy that everyone else is feeling kind of taunts you and your pain is felt even more deeply. Christmas can be really hard. And if that's you, you don't need me to tell you that the world is a dark and chaotic place. We've been reminded of that in the most harrowing way in the last few months by the events in Israel and Palestine. We live in a world full of darkness and injustice. And even we contribute to that darkness too. We even hurt the people we love the most, never mind those we don't know at all. The sad reality is we live in a world full of bad news and fear. And winter often heightens that fear. We're more vulnerable to illness. We feel the harshness of the cold. We miss the safety of the light. And winter can kind of feel like there's a light, but it's kind of flickering and faltering, like we're watching the dying embers of a fire. That's why we need Christmas. Imagine winter without Christmas. It'd be so bleak. Imagine December to February was just one big slog with no joy or no light. No wonder there was such a frenzy to save Christmas in the UK in 2022. When the coronavirus was spreading like wildfire across the country. But despite the risk, there was this almighty effort to give us one day, just one day, where we could pretend it wasn't real and have the joy of seeing our loved ones. At Christmas, we long for this kind of day of blissful respite 
from the bad news of the world. And I think at a deeper level, that's something we love about Christmas, this kind of peace and rest it gives us from the harsh realities of life. It's this kind of glimmer of light in a season of darkness, a moment of peace away from the chaos, the one day a year we can have rest. No wonder it is a special, special day for so many of us. But it is only temporary. January is around the corner. When it's still cold, it's still dark, you're skint, you're sad, with little to look forward to. And it's not like things get any better in February, or even most of March. So abruptly, <laughs> sorry, March actually is a really rubbish month of the year, sorry. <laughs> so abruptly after Christmas, the fear, chaos, and difficulties of life returns. Is that all Christmas is? This big month of hype for one day that's like a nice wee temporary distraction. And was that the case on the first Christmas? Was it just this another temporary ray of light that would disappear in January? Or was the first Christmas one that could bring the light, joy, and hope and peace that we all long for? I'm now going to invite Steve up and he's going to read our passage for us in Luke 2, uh, verses 8 to 20. So our passage starts off in verse 8 with some shepherds living out in the fields near Jerusalem, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And we today might have quite a positive view of shepherds, especially because many of us will be familiar with Jesus as the good shepherd. But 2,000 years ago, the people of Israel did not share our positive image of shepherds. As a class of people, they had a bad reputation. And according to one commentator, the nature of their calling kept them from observing ceremonial religious laws, and they were also considered dishonest, so they couldn't give testimony in a court of law. In the eyes of those around them, they were unclean and unreliable. On top of that, they had a reputation for robbing lonely travellers, and they were infamous for not observing the difference between mine and thine. It is no surprise then that a third century rabbi once said, there is no more despised occupation in the world than that of shepherds. A damning verdict, a class of people accused of dark deeds and dishonesty, shepherds in Israel were overlooked, mocked, unclean and excluded. And it is fitting that in our narrative we find such a group of people sitting in the darkness of the night, in the cold darkness, in the mundane, lonely silence under a pitch black sky, they sit watching their flocks. The overlooked shepherds looking over their sheep. Another lonely, long night. A feeling the people of Smearinsburg would be all too familiar with. And more pertinently, Israel knew what this felt like. They hadn't heard from the Lord for 400 years. And they felt the pain of that long silence. These words from Dante's Inferno aptly summarize how they felt. Through the great dark was no releasing way. Above that dark was no relieving star. No relief, no hope. Just silence for 400 years. 400 years of darkness. 400 years of yearning for a light, for a spark, for something. 400 years of feeling overlooked. A 400-year night, a 400-year winter. Darkness. And there's a fear that comes with darkness. It's why winter can be a bit scarier. The darkness of the nights, days finishing at like half four, can feel kind of oppressive and ominous. During summer, by comparison, we feel lighter, we feel safer. 
We have a sunnier disposition, as the phrase says. Yet in winter, we're kind of more aware than ever of the darkness of our scary world. So what does the Christmas story have to say to our dark world? Does it give us a kind of solid, certain hope to bring us? Or is it just a nice story? I'm sure at the start of that night, the shepherds could sing the line of a song that we often sing here. In the darkness, we were waiting without hope, without light. Just like in Narnia, they'll feel like they're in this never-ending winter and they've almost given up hope that spring will ever come. But then there is light. Verse 9, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. An angel of the Lord appears and the glory of the Lord shines brightly, lighting up the Bethlehem sky. Light has broken through. Reminds you of that iconic scene in Lord of the Rings of Two Towers at Helm's Deep. They're battling in the night, they're losing, all seems lost. But Aragorn is told to look to the east as the sun rises. And as he looks to the east, there he is, Gandalf is there, and he illuminates the darkness and charges in, bringing hope and ultimately victory. Light brings hope. That burst of light brings that hope. But the shepherds were afraid as they saw this angel in the glory of the Lord. And you can't blame them. It's a very typical response we see throughout the Bible when people are visited by an angel. They're just kind of overwhelmed by the glory. But listen to the first words spoken by that angel. He says in verse 10, Do not be afraid. What words of comfort, words of peace. Do not be afraid. Words that give us that feeling of relief, like when you were a kid and you turn the bedroom light on and then you realize there is no monster at the end of your bed. Do not be afraid. The words we all want to hear when we're overwhelmed with the miseries of life, the uncertainty of the future, when we just feel fragile and weary. And that's what the Christmas story says to us. Do not be afraid. But why? Why do we not need to be afraid? It's all well and good an angel saying that, but why? Because as the angel goes on to say in verse 10, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. There's nothing much better than getting some good news, isn't there? That feeling of kind of unbridled joy when you hear good news. And again at Christmas, we long for good news. We long for a break from the bad news. We just want to hear good news and hope. Even think of the news, they often put on kind of like wholesome good news stories of like kids doing something really nice at a school and it's like, oh, it's lovely. Like, we love that break from the bad news. We want good news. And the angel's saying to the shepherds, amidst the darkness, you guys can have hope. Light is piercing through. Things are going to get better. They can have great joy. But again, why? Why can they have great joy? Because we see in verse 11, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. A saviour has been born. And according to one commentator, the attribution of the title Saviour to Jesus is a direct challenge to the Romans' view that they had of Caesar Augustus. The Saviour is not mighty Augustus in Rome, but an infant lying in a feeding trough in the city of David. A Saviour who turns the values of the world upside down. A Saviour has been born. 
But again, that begs more questions. Who needs saved? What do they need saved from? We've thought a lot about the brokenness and darkness that is all around us in the world and how we're more aware of that during winter. And we don't want to admit it, but I think we all know there is brokenness and darkness within us. We're not just victims of our dark world, but often we are part of the problem. Someone's told me that as humans we are like beauty and beast. There are good and wonderful things about us. We are capable of amazing things and wonderful acts of kindness. But we're also naturally selfish. We're kind of naturally curved in on ourselves, as Martin Luther once said. As I was speaking earlier about the good things of Christmas, were you thinking of what you could give or what you could get? Were you thinking of the gifts you could receive or the gifts you could give to other people? Were you thinking of how other people could contribute to making your Christmas day good for you? Or were you thinking of how you could make other people's Christmases better? Even that is just the kind of tip of the iceberg of our human selfishness. Many of you have heard this before, but in the early 1900s, the Times newspaper asked several authors this one question, what's wrong with the world today? And the Christian theologian G.K. Chesterton responded with this letter. Let me read it out for us. Dear sir, I am. Yours, G.K. Chesterton. We are the problem. You just have to look around at the suffering that humanity has caused century after century, generation after generation. We're not inherently good. We're broken. And we need light to break into the darkness of our hearts. And again, we don't want to admit that. It hurts our pride to say we need help from outside of ourselves. It's hard for us to accept that the solution is not within us. And we hear that narrative all the time. Any Disney film, the answer was inside of you all along. But it's not true. In the words of our favourite Augustine, he says this, You cannot be your own light. You can't. You simply can't. We are in need of enlightenment. We are not the light. We need help. We need light. We need a saviour. And God would have had every right to be aloof to our brokenness and suffering. He didn't need to help us. But that first Christmas, he decided to come as a baby in the person of Jesus. A baby who'd go on to live a perfect life, dying on the cross for our sins, rising from the grave, defeating death. At Christmas, God stepped into our mess, into our dark world. Why? To give us hope. A true and certain hope that dawns in glory and dispels the darkness of sin, Satan, and death. We then hear of the sign of this hope in verse 12. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. The Saviour who will bring light and hope enters the world in the dark and shadowy places. Jesus was most likely born in a cave where animals were kept rather than the kind of cute stable scenes we often imagine. And yet that is where God's heavenly angels invite the unclean shepherds to gather around inside. God deliberately chose to arrive in the night in a dark place and to have its witnesses be the kind of people that other people swerved and pushed into the shadowy edges of society. 
Jesus' radical invite to the unclean and unmerited is already extended out before he even speaks a word. The light of the world stepped down into darkness. And as the shepherds stood in the night sky, as the glory of the Lord shone around them, things get even brighter as the angel is joined by a whole choir of angels who burst into praise singing, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. That light, that joy, that hope, that peace that we all long for. And in the angel song, that light breaks into the darkness when God is glorified. God's glorious light shines joy and hope into the darkest parts of our hearts. And interestingly, in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for glory is kavod, and that kind of means kind of heavy and weighty. God's glory is primarily described as kind of weighty. But in the New Testament, the Greek word for glory is doxa, and that means splendor and light. The glory of God here is splendor, it's light, and it's his splendor that brings light at Christmas. His glory lights up the night sky. And as that baby was born here on earth, there was glory to God in heaven. As the angels sing, glory to God in the highest heaven. And here, down on earth, the peace of heaven has come down and there is peace for those on whom his favor rests. Where God shines his light, there is peace. There is peace on offer at Christmas. Peace between us and God. Peace resting in the arms of your Abba Father. True, lasting peace that does not disappear when January comes around. On earth, peace to those on whom his favour rests. The author of our passage, Luke, explicitly states the purpose of his book in the opening few verses of chapter one. He says he's written an orderly account for a Christian man named Theophilus in order to give him certainty about what he's been taught about Jesus. So if you're ever reading a passage in Luke, you can always ask the question, how does this give Theophilus certainty? And as Theophilus would have read this passage, he would see how the birth of Jesus begins to fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah 60. It declares this, Arise, shine for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar, and your daughters are carried on the hip. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth on the seas will be brought to you. To you, the riches of the nations will come. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. In the words of Ray Ortland, think of the sparkling eyes of a child on Christmas morning. Jesus, whose first coming was the dawn of the glory of the Lord, is a sight to cheer us up. God has not abandoned this world. We in Theophilus can have certainty that Jesus came and that his glory radiated light into our dark world. Light burst into the world that first Christmas. But one day when Jesus comes again, 
the whole world will be light. There will be no more darkness. The great town of Smearinsburg will one day be full of color. The thick darkness that covers the earth will be replaced by the new Jerusalem where Jesus is the light and where the things of darkness are no more. And that's because the thing is, light always wins. Tim Chester says, light always wins. We know this from our own experience. Light and darkness are asymmetrical. Light dispels darkness by its mere presence, whereas darkness doesn't naturally extinguish light. You can't have a torch dark that casts a beam of darkness into light, but a torchlight casts a beam of light into the darkness, no matter how much darkness there is. Light always overcomes darkness. And thankfully, that is where the world is heading. That is where history is going. Light is breaking through, and one day the night will be no more, because the light of the world will be light. As one Glasgow minister wrote, the birth of Jesus signals with absolute certainty that the peace and joy we can all imagine and for which we long shall ultimately be fulfilled in this world forever. That first Christmas was the Christmas that changed the fate of humanity forever. As that baby cried in the night, hope was bursting into the world. Peace was starting to replace chaos. Rays of light were dancing in the dark winter sky. What a wonderful hope to warm our hearts. What great joy we can have. Rejoice, a saviour has been born and now he reigns. As the famous carol goes, a thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. So how today will we respond to that light, to that great joy, to that hope? And the remaining verses of our passage from verses 15 to 20, look at how the shepherds, the town and Mary responded. In verse 15, we see the angels leave and return to heaven and the shepherds say to each other, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord told us about. They don't mess about, they hurry to the manger, they go and see for themselves. And when they see this baby, they spread the word. They go and tell people in Bethlehem the good news. And people take the news of these supposedly unreliable shepherds to be true. And those who heard the news the shepherds had told them were amazed. They were amazed. Mary's response is slightly different. Luke contrasts her response at the start of verse 19 by saying, But Mary, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Mary has a kind of deeper understanding of what is going on. And so she treasures up all these things and ponders them in her heart. What a wonderful example Mary is for us as followers of Jesus in this passage. What an invitation for us this Christmas to treasure and ponder the birth of Jesus. To treasure and ponder that glorious truth that light came down into the world, that love came down, that God stepped into our mess to bring us hope, that we can have peace. I've been reading an Advent devotional this month, and every day the author shares lines from a carol for you to meditate on. Words that help you kind of savour and treasure the good news that Jesus was born. So savour the words from this lesser known carol. Come thou long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us, 
let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Let's treasure that our Saviour came to set us free. Let's enjoy his presence. Let's swim in the ocean of his grace. And Jesus, help us to find our rest in thee. Savour the birth of the Saviour this Christmas. So what about the response of the shepherds then? This overlooked, unclean, derided group of people. Verse 20. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This passage repeats a lot of the words heard, seen, told, and they praise God because of what they had heard and what they had seen with their own eyes. Their lives are utterly transformed by the good news. God looked at those overlooked shepherds and brought them into the fold, and they bring glory to God with their worship. The shepherds were invited to come and see. And every Christmas is an invitation for us to come and see. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, why not come and see for yourself? Have a look at the evidence. Have a look at the hope on offer. Because it's either true or it is absolute nonsense. We're talking about a virgin birth, angels in the sky, wise men following a star for years, because obviously wise men just follow stars. Like, it's nonsense, unless it's true. This Christmas, what is your hope in? Do you have a reason for being positive about life or the future of the world in general? Will light ever overcome darkness? What is your answer? Why not come and see if the Christmas story, the birth of a saviour, is the answer to the longings of our hearts? Come and see this Christmas if light will overcome darkness. As I watched the film Klaus, I could just feel hope kind of rising within me as you see kind of colour slowly bringing light into the grey town of Smearinsburg. And you get the sense that the whole film that Santa is on his way and that this grey is going to be completely gone and replaced with vivid colour and light. And as Christmas approaches, be excited that light has beaten darkness, that the shadows are retreating and that one day darkness will be no more. Rejoice, because the message of Christmas is this. Do not be afraid. Light wins because God came down. He stepped into the darkness to bring peace and light and great joy to our weary world. Things can seem hopeless, but there is hope. So will you join the joy of heaven this Christmas? Will you come and see Jesus? The best parts of Christmas Day our glorious glimpses, the feelings of home and safety and hope and light, they are real, they are good, but they're there to point us to the person who is all of that perfectly and completely. Whether you like Christmas or not, with Jesus there is always light and joy and peace. Come and let the baby born that dark Christmas night be the one who gives you all of those things and who best of all gives you himself.